The Corona Caesar, an adaptation of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar by Andrew Hartley. Produced and performed by the undergraduates of the theater department at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. Episode 1, Unrest. Go you down that way towards the capital. This way will I. Disrobe the images if you do find them decked with ceremonies. May we do so? 
You know it is a feast of lupercal. It is no matter. Let no images be hung with Caesar's trophies. I'll about and drive away the vulgar from the streets. So do you too, where you perceive them thick. These growing feathers plucked from Caesar's wing will make him fly an ordinary pitch, who else would soar above the view of men and keep us all in servile fearfulness. They are returning. With the motor pain. Tell the people we'll address them in the marketplace. I shall. When Caesar says, do this. It is performed. Yeah, that's right. And leave no ceremony out. Caesar! Yeah! Yeah! Caesar! Huh? Caesar! Caesar! every noise be still. Beats yet again. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Silence! Caesar speaks. Silence! Who is it in the press that calls on me? I hear a tongue shriller than all the rest cry, Caesar. Speak. Caesar has turned to hear. Beware the Ides of March. Brutus. Who is that? A soothsayer bids you beware the Ides of March. Set her before me. Let me see her face. You there. Come from the throng. Oh, excuse me, sorry. Oh. Make way! Let her through! Look upon Caesar! There she is. What says thou to me now? Speak once again. Beware the Ides of March! She is a dreamer. <laughs> Let us leave her, Baz. Will you go see great Caesar speak? Not I. I pray you, do. I will not. But let me not hinder Cassius your desires. I'll leave you. Brutus. I do observe you now of late. I have not from your eyes that gentleness and show of love as I was wont to have. You bear too stubborn and too strange a hand over your friend that loves you. Cassius, be not deceived. If I have veiled my look, I turn the trouble of my countenance merely upon myself. Vexed I am of late with passions of some difference, conceptions only proper to myself, which give some soil, perhaps, to my behaviors. But let not, therefore, my good friends be grieved, among which number, Cassius, be you one. 
nor construe any further my neglect than that poor Brutus, with herself at war, forgets the show of love towards those friends. Then, Brutus, I have much mistook your passion, by means whereof this breast of mine hath buried thoughts of great value, worthy cogitations. Tell me, good Brutus, can you see your face? No, Cassius, for the eye sees not itself, but by reflection, by some other things. Tis just, and it is very much lamented, Brutus, that you have no such mirrors as will turn your hidden worthiness into your eye, that you might see your shadow. I have heard where many of the best respect in Rome, except immortal Caesar, speaking of Brutus and groaning underneath this age's yoke, have wished that noble Brutus had their eyes. Into what dangers would you lead me, Cassius, that you would have me seek into myself for that which is not in me? (laughs) Therefore, good Brutus, be prepared to hear. And since you know you cannot see yourself so well as by reflection, I, your glass, will modestly discover to yourself that of yourself which you yet know not of. What means the shouting? I do fear the people choose Caesar for their king. Aye. Do you fear it? Then must I think you would not have it so? I would not, Cassius. Yet I love him well. But wherefore do you hold me here so long? What is it that you would impart to me? If it be aught toward the general good, set honor in one eye, and death in the other, and I will look on both indifferently. For let the gods so speed me, as I love the name of honor more than I fear death. I know that virtue to be in you, Brutus, as well as I do know your outward favor. Well, honor is the subject of my story. I cannot tell what you and other men think of this life, but for my single self, I had as lief not be as live to be in awe of such a thing as I myself. I was born free as Caesar. So were you. We both have fed as well, and we can both endure the winter's cold as well as he. For once, upon a raw and gusty day, the troubled Tiber chafing with her shores, Caesar said to me, Darest thou, Cassius, now leap in with me into this angry flood and swim to yonder point? (laughs) Upon the word, accoutred as I was, I plunged in and bade him follow. So indeed he did. The torrent roared, and we did buffet it with lusty sinews, throwing it aside and stemming it with hearts of controversy. But... Ere we could arrive, the point proposed, Caesar cried, Help me, Cassius, or I sink! So from the waves of Tiber did I the tired Caesar bear. And this man is now become a god, and Cassius is a wretched creature and must bend his body if Caesar carelessly but not on him? He had a fever when he was in Spain, And when the fit was on him, I did mark how he did shake. Tis true, 
This god did shake. His coward lips did from their color fly, and that same eye whose bend doth all the world did lose his luster. I did hear him groan. I, and that tongue of his that bade the Romans mark him and write his speeches in their books, alas, it cried, Give me some drink, Titinius, as a sick girl. Ye gods, it, it doth amaze me a man of such a feeble temper should so get the start of the majestic world and bear the palm alone. Another general shout? I do believe that these applauses are for some new honors that are heaped on Caesar. Why, he doth bestride the narrow world like a colossus. And we petty men walk under his huge legs and peep about to find ourselves dishonorable graves. Men, at some time, are masters of their fates. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves that we are underlings. Brutus and Caesar, what should be in that... Caesar, why should that name be sounded more than yours? Write them together. Yours is as fair a name. Sound them. It doth become the mouth as well. Weigh them. It is as heavy. Conjure with them. Brutus will start a spirit as soon as Caesar. Now, in the names of all the gods at once, upon what meat doth this our Caesar feed that he has grown so great? Age? Thou art shamed! Rome? Thou hast lost the breed of noble bloods. When went there by an age since the great flood, but it was famed with more than with one man? What could they say till now that talked of Rome, that her wide walls encompassed but one man? Now is it Rome indeed and room enough when there is in it but one only man? Oh, you and I have heard our fathers say there was a Brutus once that would have brooked the eternal devil to keep his state in Rome as easily as a king. That you do love me, I am nothing jealous. What you would work me to, I have some aim. How I have thought of this and of these times I shall recount hereafter. For this present, I would not, so with love I might entreat you, be any further moved. What you have said, I will consider. What you have to say, I will with patience hear, and find a time both meet to hear and answer such high things. Till then, my noble friend, chew upon this. Brutus had rather be a villager than to repute herself a child of Rome under these hard conditions as this time is like to lay upon us. I am glad that my weak words have struck but thus much show of fire from Brutus. The games are done and Caesar is returning. As they pass by, pluck Casca by the sleeve, and he will, after his sour fashion, tell you what hath preceded worthy note today. I will do so. But look you, Cassius, the angry spot doth glow on Caesar's brow, and all the rest look like a chidden train. Casca will tell us what the matter is.
Antonius. Caesar. Let me have men about me that are fat. Sleek headed men, such as sleep of nights. Young Cassius has a lean, hungry look. Thinks too much. Such men are dangerous. You're not, Caesar. He's not dangerous. He is a noble Roman and well given. Well, he were fatter. But I fear now. Yet if my name were liable to fear, I do not know the man I should avoid so soon as that spare Cassius. He reads much. He is a great observer, and he looks quite through the deeds of men. He loves no plays, as thou dost, Anthony. He has no music. Seldom he smiles, and smiles in such a sort as if... as if he mocked himself. and scorned his spirit that could be moved to smile at anything. Such men as he be never at heart's ease, whilst they behold a greater than themselves, and therefore very dangerous. I'd rather tell thee what is to be feared than what I fear, for always <laughs> I am Caesar. <laughs> Come on my right hand, for this here is death. Tell me truly what thou thinkst of him. You put me by the cloak. Would you speak with me? Aye, Casca. Tell us what hath chanced today that Caesar looks so sad. Why, you were with him, were you not? I should not then ask Casca what had chanced. <laughs> Why, there was a crown offered him. And being offered him, he put it by with the back of his hand thus, and then the people fell a-shouting. What was the second noise for? Why, for that too. They shouted thrice. What was the last cry for? Why, for that too. Was the crown offered him thrice? Ay, Mary was, and he put it by thrice, every time gentler than other. And at every putting by, mine honest neighbors shouted. Who offered him the crown? Why, Antony. Tell us the manner of it, gentle Casca. I can as well be hanged to tell the manner of it. It was mere foolery. I didn't mark it. I saw Mark Antony offer him a crown, uh, yet twas not a crown, neither twas uh, one of these coronets. And as I told you, he put it by once, but for all that to my thinking, he would fain have had it. Then he offered it to him again, then he put it by again, but to my thinking, he was very loath to lay his fingers off it. And then he offered it to him the third time, and he put it the third time by. And still as he refused it, the rabblemen hooted and clapped their chapped hands and threw up their sweaty nightcaps and uttered such a deal of stinking breath because Caesar refused the crown that it almost choked Caesar. For he swooned and fell down at it. And for mine own part, I durst not laugh for fear of opening my lips and receiving the bad air. But, Soft, I pray you, what, did Caesar swoon? He fell down in the marketplace and foamed at the mouth and was uh, speechless. Tis very like... He hath the falling sickness. No, Caesar hath it not. But you and I, an honest Casca, we have the falling sickness. I know not what you mean by that, but I am sure Caesar fell down. If the Tagrag people did not clap him and hiss him according as he pleased and displeased them, 
as I used to do the plays in the theater, I am no true man. What said he when he came unto himself? Uh, Mary, before he fell down, when he perceived the common herd, was glad he refused the crown. He plucked me ope his jacket and offered them his throat to cut. <laughs> if I had been a man of any occupation, if I would not have taken him at a word, I would I might go to hell among the rogues. And so he fell. When he came to himself again, he said, if he had done or said anything amiss, he desired the worships to think it was his infirmity. Three or four winches where I stood cried, Alas, good soul, and forgave him with all their hearts. There's no heed to be taken of them. If Caesar had stabbed their mothers, they would have done no less. And after that, he came thus sad away? Aye. Did Cicero say anything? Aye. He spoke Greek. To what effect? Nay, and I tell you that I'll ne'er look you in the face again. But those that understood him smiled at one another and shook their heads, but for mine own part, it was Greek to me. I could tell you more news, too. Morales and Flavius, for pulling scars off Caesar's images, are put to silence. Fare you well. There is more foolery yet, if I could remember it. Will you sup with me tonight, Casca? No, I am promised forth. Will you dine with me tomorrow? Aye, if I be alive. And your mind holds in your dinner worth the eating. Good. I will expect you. Do so. Farewell, both. For this time, I will leave you. Tomorrow, if you please to speak with me, I will come home to you. Or, if you will, come home to me and I will wait for you. I will do so. Till then, think of the world. Well, Brutus, thou art noble. Yet... I see thy honorable metal may be wrought from that it is disposed. Therefore it is meet that noble minds keep ever with their likes. For who so firm that cannot be seduced? Caesar doth bear me hard, but he loves Brutus. If I were Brutus now and he were Cassius, he should not humor me. I will this night in several hands, and at his window's throw, as if they came from several citizens, writings all tending to the great opinion that Rome holds of his name, wherein, obscurely, Caesar's ambition shall be glanced at. And after this, let Caesar seat him sure, for we will shake him, or worse days endure. stare you so. Are you not moved when all this way of earth shakes like a thing unfirm? O oh, Trevonius, I have seen tempests when the scolding winds have writhed the naughty oaks, and I have seen the ambitious ocean swell and rage and foam to be exalted with the threatening clouds, but never till tonight, never till now, did I go through a tempest dropping 
five. Either there is a civil strife in heaven, or else the world too saucy with the gods incenses them to send destruction. Come, step inside a moment. Why? Saw you anything more wonderful? A common slave, you know him well by sight, held up his left hand, which did flame and burn like twenty torches joined. And yet his hand, not sensible of fire, remained unscorched. Besides, I had not since put up my sword. A against the capital, I met a lion who glared upon me and went surly by without annoying me. When these prodigies do so conjointly meet, let not men say these are their reasons. They are natural. For I believe they are portentous things until the climate that they point upon. Indeed, it is a strange disposed time. But men may construe things after their fashion, clean from the purpose of the things themselves. Come Caesar to the capital tomorrow? He doth, for he did bid Antony send word to you he would be there tomorrow. Good night then, Casca. This disturbed sky is not to walk. Farewell, Trebonius. Who's there? A Roman. Ah, Casca, by your voice. Your ear is good. Cassius, what night is this? A very pleasing night to honest men. Whoever knew the heavens menace so? Those that have known the earth so full of faults. For my part, I have walked about the streets, submitting me unto the perilous night. And thus, unbraced Casca, as you see, have bared my bosom to the thunderstone. And when the cross-blue lightning seemed to open the breast of heaven... I did present myself even in the aim and very flash of it. But wherefore do you so much tempt the heavens? It is the part of men to fear and tremble when the most mighty gods by token send such dreadful heralds to astonish us. Oh, you are dull, Casca. <sighs> and those sparks of life that should be in a Roman you do lack, or else you use not. You look pale and gaze and put on fear and cast yourself in wonder to see the strange impatience of the heavens. But if you would consider the true cause, why, you shall find that heaven hath infused them with these spirits to make them instruments of fear and warning unto some monstrous state. Now could I, Casca, name to thee a man most like this dreadful night that thunders lightens, opens graves, and roars as doth the lion in the capital. A man no mightier than thyself or me in personal action, yet prodigious groan and fearful as these strange eruptions are. Tis Caesar that you mean. Is it not Cassius? Let it be who it is. For Romans now have faces and limbs like to our ancestors. But... Woe the while, our fathers' minds are dead. Indeed. With sickness shuddering up the shops, the maskless people think of nothing but the money they are losing. And therefore, or so tis whispered, tomorrow they mean to establish Caesar as a king. I know where I will wear this dagger, then. Cassius from bondage will deliver Cassius. So can I. So every bondman in his own hand bears the power to cancel his captivity. And why should Caesar be a tyrant, then? 
poor man. I know he would not be a wolf, but that he sees the Romans are but sheep. Those that with haste will make a mighty fire begin it with weak straws. What trash is Rome? What rubbish and what awful when it serves for the base matter to illuminate so vile a thing as Caesar. But, oh, grief. Where hast thou led me? I perhaps speak this before a willing bondman. Then I know my answer must be made. But I am armed, and dangers are to me indifferent. You speak to Casca, and to such a man that is no fleering telltale. Hold my hand. Be factious for redress of all these griefs, and I will set this foot of mine as far as who goes farthest. There's a bargain made. Now know you, Casca. I have moved already some certain of the noblest-minded Romans to undergo with me an enterprise of honorable, dangerous consequence. And I do know, by this, they stay for me in Pompey's porch. For now, this fearful night, there is no stir or walking in the streets, and the complexion of the element in favors like the work we have in hand. Most bloody, fiery, and most terrible. Stand close a while, for here comes one in haste. Tis Cinna. I do know her by her gate. She is a friend. Cinna, where haste you so? To find out you. Who's that? Metella Simber? No, it is Casca. One incorporate to our attempts. Am I not stayed for, Cinna? I am glad, aunt. What a fearful night is this. There's two or three of us have seen strange sights. Am I not stayed for? Tell me! Yes, you are. Oh, Cassius, if you could but win the noble Brutus to our party. Be you content, good Cinna. Take this paper, and look you lay it in the Praetor's chair where Brutus may but find it. Mm-hmm. And throw this in at her window. Set this up with wax upon old Brutus's statue. That done, prepare to Pompey's theater. Come, Casca. You and I will yet ere day see Brutus at her house. Three parts of her is ours already. And the rest of her, upon the next encounter, yields her hours. In the Corona Caesar, the part of Brutus was played by Ren Bell, Cassius by Drew Coley, and Mark Antony by Anthony Neal. Dylan Ireland played Caesar and Sin of the Poet. Elijah Hensley was Casca, and Amy Kaka was Portia and Morellis. Isabel Grise played Calpurnia. Tanner Bowers Octavius, his servant, and Artemidorus. Alexander Gomes was Flavius, Trebonius, and Lucius. Natalie Perkins was Decius. Raiden Leader was the Soothsayer and Metellus Simber. Zoe Lee Turner was the Newsreader, Cinna, and Papilius Lena. Micah Conti was Caius Ligarius and Antony's servant. Citizen, security officer, and servant roles were shared by members of the cast. 
The show was adapted and directed by Andrew Hartley and mixed and mastered by Benjamin G. Stickles. Christopher Barry was the voice and acting coach, Gianna Agostino, the sound designer, and Megan St. Armand, the dramaturg. Stage management was by Alexis Fine and Emmanuel Powell under the supervision of Rachel Watkins. Music was composed and performed by Gianna Agostino, cello, and Andrew Hartley, guitars. Other production elements were managed by members of the Department of Theater faculty and those of the Performing Arts Service Unit at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, with special consultation from Hallie Hutchison, Bruce Auerbach, and Gordon Olson, who also designed the production logo. This show was rehearsed, recorded, and released under COVID-19 social distancing protocols in the fall of 2020. This production is copyrighted 2020 by the University of North Carolina. All rights reserved. Please consider supporting the Department of Theater during this challenging time. Your gift will go directly to our programs and student scholarships and will help us continue to deliver creative content to you. Thank you for championing the arts at UNC Charlotte. Please visit uncboxoffice.com to make your gift today.